Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about something that sometimes as Christians we miss out. We could be so busy that we don't realize or we don't have the revelation or our mind doesn't understand all the things that God has left us. You know, you could easily walk in life settling for just a portion, sometimes even crumbs of everything that God left us. So I want to talk to you today about specifically how to walk in God's power and authority. So I want you to look at somebody close to you and tell them, today we're going to learn about how I, and tell them how you can walk in God's power and authority. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, God's power is just for people that are on stage or in the pulpit, as we call it. The Bible says that if you are a son of God, if you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, you have access to that power. Amen. We're going to learn a little bit about that. So we're going to walk into God's tool shop today and see uh, what God has to offer us. Amen. Because Christianity is about living by faith. How many of you guys know that? And faith is believing things that you can't see, it is very easy to settle living below God's standard. And I pray that you pay close attention to me today because I want to share this from God's heart, straight from God's heart to yours. Sometimes we can settle for living way below God's standard for our life and, and for a lot less than everything that was made available to us through Jesus Christ. And if you turn your life over to Jesus, first of all, you have to understand that you are a son or you are a daughter of God. I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 5. And the Bible says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you are of the same family that I am. We belong to the same family. So he adopted us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He wasn't forced to do it. Nobody had a gun to his head. God loved you so much. He wanted you for his own. And it also gave him great pleasure. So check this out. This is what happens. We belong to sin. And the wages of sin is what? So we belong to death, right? We belong to death. But God adopted us and bought us into his own family through Jesus Christ. It's like we were all orphans. I want you to picture this. May pretend we were all orphans. We didn't have a dad. We didn't have our mom. We have some nasty step uh, foster parents, right? Evil foster parents. And all of a sudden, this amazing parent comes in and adopts us. And they have everything we could ever need. We don't have to worry about now whether we're going to have a roof over our head. We don't have to worry about whether we're going to eat or not. We don't have to worry about if we have enough money to, because they're rich, they have all these things. And the Bible's talking about adoption, that God, even though our master, even though the person or the thing that had possession over us was sin and was death, Jesus paid the, the price to adopt us into his own family. Now listen, when you become a family member, you have privileges. Am I right? You have privileges. You don't walk into somebody else's house the same way you walk into your own house. Why? Because that is your house. 
And even though you don't pay because you're young, you don't pay the mortgage and stuff, you can still walk into the refrigerator and pick whatever you want because it's part of your family. How many understand this concept that I'm trying to share? Okay, so you no longer have to worry now because there's, your parents will provide for you. Your adoptive father provides for you. You don't have to worry about clothes. You don't have to worry about a roof to sleep under. And just like this is true in the natural, it's also, it also applies to in the spiritual realm. So we have been adopted and our adoptive father is not just rich, but the Bible says that he's omnipotent. That means he is almighty. Come on, somebody say that word, omnipotent. It's a cool word. It's an old school word. Omnipotent, almighty. Our church carries that name. JTP means, in Spanish, Jesucristo, el todo poderoso, which means Jesus Christ, the almighty, because he can do it all. Our father is almighty. But not only is he omnipotent and almighty, he's also all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows the future. Obviously, he knows the past. But he knows everything. He knows your best option. He knows which way to get to success fast. He knows everything. He is also ever-present, which means, uh, there's a word for that, omnipresent. That means that he is, all, he is here and he's in China at the same time. He's everywhere all the time at the same time. So this is the, this is the God that has adopted us. And I want you to understand how great of a thing that is. We've been adopted by God. We, we are his family. Sometimes we don't walk like we are his children. And that's why I'm bringing this message and we're going to get a little bit into what power and authority means. But sometimes we can just settle for crumbs when you are a son. Sometimes you settle, like if you were, you settle for a relationship of like that of an employer to an employee when he is, he is your father. So I want to, to understand this. Um, you can settle for living life well below everything that God has left for you to enjoy. Imagine how many of you guys have the privilege of having your grandparents still alive. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Okay, some of you guys, some of you guys, that's a, that's a blessing. I had my grandparents pass away a, a few years ago. A lot of you guys know them. But imagine a grandma that all of a sudden, you, some, you know, her grandchildren wanted to get her a good gift. And they got her the, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And then she has such an amazing phone, but all grandma does is answer her calls. You're like, grandma, come on. Listen, this is the iPhone 12 Pro Max. You could check your emails, Grandma. Come on. You could, you could download apps. You could play games. You, can, you could even get into Tic Tac. Come on, let's do the flexibility challenge, Grandma, right? And, and, and Grandma is missing out on all these things because she has in her hand something that has the potential to do so much more. But she's just using it to answer calls. And sometimes as believers, that's the same thing we happens to us with the Holy Spirit. We have so much more, but, but, but because we don't take time to tap into all, that's, all that resourcefulness that, that's, that comes with the Holy Spirit, we don't enjoy it. So I want you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I want you to see what God has for your life this afternoon and what God wants to speak to you. This is something that God told his disciples, his first followers, a long time ago when the church was just starting, but this, even though time has passed, this is available for every single person that has come to know Jesus Christ and that has said, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. 
God promised this, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Doral, throughout Florida, in the United States of America and to the ends of the earth. So it's talking about that we will receive power. You see, living a Christian life is not just about being a good boy or a good girl and doing all the right things. That's, that's important to do. But sometimes we, we don't understand that we have been given power. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says that when you open your heart to Jesus, when you accept him as, a, as your living, as your personal savior, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. So if he's living inside of me, I have the power within me. I have the power of God inside of me. How many of you guys are believing? Yeah, I, I know I can't hear you through your mask or at least it's a little bit muffled. So I don't expect that much noise. But how many of you believe that there is power inside of you? How many could really believe that this is for me? Because sometimes we say, well, that's for the church in general. No, no, it's for me. You shall receive power. And if you go to Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, I know this is not... It probably won't come up in the screens because I added this this morning. But Mark 13, 14, and 15 says, Then Jesus appointed 12 of them, 12 disciples, and he called them his apostles. And they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority. Everybody say that word real loud, authority. authority. He would give them authority to cast out demons. So we're talking about power, and we're talking about authority. So same way Jesus gave his disciples power, he gives you power today. The same way Jesus gave authority to his disciples, he wants and he longs to give you authority. Now let's, let's get a little bit into this. You see, one of the things that we can fail to take advantage of is walking in the power and authority of God. Walking or living, better said, in the power and the authority that has been granted to us. You can easily be a powerless Christian. Listen to me. You can easily be a powerless Christian. And you decide if you settle for your faith to just save you. See, there's, there's faith inside of you for so much more, but sometimes we just use our faith to, oh, I'm saved. If something happens to me, I go to heaven and I have salvation. And, and we use our faith just for salvation, but there's so much more. Because God has made provision to grant you power for when your finances are all out of whack. He's granted you provision and power for when your health deteriorates or for when your anxiety wants to get the best of you. He's made provision for when you don't know how to deal with something. God promised, JTP Church, God promised us that we shall receive power and authority. So let's get straight into it. What is authority? Well, if you go to the dictionary, authority is very simple. Authority is the legal right to use power. So today we're talking about power, that God grants us power, but I can't use somebody's power unless I have authority to use it. Understood? So authority is the legal right. I have to have the right from somebody above me to be able to use a power. And it's interesting that in the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, which is a lot bigger than the New Testament, there's, all, there's only four instances where you see the word authority. And three of those four uh, cases are in the book of Esther. But now you jump into the New Testament. As a matter of fact, just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just those four books, 
56 instances you see the word authority. So something happened in, since Jesus was born and since Jesus died that now we have to walk in authority. We have something that before the people previous to Jesus didn't have. And sometimes we settle for, and we don't understand that this is available for us. So everybody say, everybody say authority is the legal right to use power. For example, if a business owner all of a sudden is looking for a manager, he hires a manager, what does he do? He gives them the authority to be able to hire and fire employees according to what they need and according to you know, how, they, um, how they work. So now he's using the power that belongs to the owner, but the owner grants them authority to use that power and he could add his, you know, based on his knowledge and based on what he experiences at work day in and day out, he could hire and he can fire among other things. He's been granted authority. Another example that I can give you is I am a father. I have two small children. I have Luca and I have Mia, who, by the way, turned three yesterday. Uh, no, actually two days ago. And these are my children. I have been given authority by God as their dad to be able to raise them, to be able to instruct them, even to correct them when they're doing things that are wrong. Don't correct my daughter because you're not, you're not her father. You understand? You don't have authority to do that unless you're a teacher or unless, right? There's exceptions. But I am the dad because one day God's going to come to me and say, well, I gave you authority to raise them. Show me what you've done with the authority that I've given you. So authority is the legal right to be able to use power. Well, Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. How many of you guys would have loved to be there present when Jesus was teaching, like live and in the flesh? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, I would have loved to have been there and just to see, because look what they said. In verse 29, look what people saw. For he taught them with real authority. And I'm like, wow, what would that look like? What would that sound like? Said that they were surprised and amazed at how Jesus taught because he taught different from people or from what they were used to at the time because Jesus taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So they saw something of Jesus that he taught with authority. And the only thing, they're not talking about miracles here, okay? They're not talking about that, you know, he's, he healed the blind man, even though we know he did all those things. But what impressed people here is how he would speak with authority. Legal right to use power. They saw that authority. They could, they could perceive it in their spirit when Jesus would talk. So God has granted us power and authority. I want you to look at the person closest to you. And I want you to tell them, it's for the taking. Tell them, it's for you. You just have to take it. He has granted us power. He has granted us authority. Now let's look at power. What is power? We know that authority is the legal right to use power. So what is power? It's the spiritual ability to fulfill God's intended purpose or destiny for your life. So power is a spiritual ability, not a human ability. All right? It's not because you went to school and you have three PhDs. That's all good. It's good to have knowledge. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what the Bible's talking here is about an ability that does not come from books. It does not, does not come from, you know, from something that is human. It comes from God. 
It's a spiritual ability to fulfill God's intended purpose. So here we have power. It's something supernatural that God said in Acts 1.8 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit. But how can I use that power? Well, I need authority. I could, I could have been granted power, but if I don't have the authority, which is the legal right to use that power, then it's ineffective. It does me no good. So raise your hand with me and say, I need authority to use the power that has been granted. You guys following me so far? All right, awesome. So if we would apply these two definitions that we just learned, power and authority, to Acts 1.8, it would sound a little bit like this. But you will receive the ability to fulfill the authority that God has delegated to you when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, the Holy Spirit, God living in you, is what triggers what God has put inside of you. Yeah? It's what triggers that that godly gift, that power that has been granted to every single one of us. The moment the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, you are anointed to operate in the supernatural. A lot of people think that, erroneously, they think that this is not for this age. They think that, well, the power of God was for when Jesus, in Jesus' time, you know, now there's no such thing as healing the sick. There's no such thing as casting out demons. Wrong. Wrong. That is for today. And as a matter of fact, we just read it and I proved it to you. It's for you and you and you and you and you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how many verses you know by memory or if you don't know any at all. It's for all those who believe and receive it by faith. Power has been granted to all those who opened their life to Jesus Christ and have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a pastor. And, but I want you to know that even though you're not a pastor... We are all children of God. How many understand that? How many know that? We are all children of God. You are as much of a child of God as I am. We have the same Bible. We use the Bible. We read it. We know it. We have the same promises. The same promises that God left in the Bible for me are the same promises that God left in the Bible for you. We have the same Holy Spirit, God living inside of us. Whenever you gave your life, or whether you gave your life to Jesus You will give it today or whether you've known Jesus for 20 years or 50 years. It doesn't really matter. We have the same thing. But here's where, here's where there's a difference, okay? Here's where we are not the same. And here's what makes us different. It's in our level of authority. We are all children of God. We have the power. We have access to everything that God has said that we have. But where we defer is in the level of authority that we have or in the level of authority that we use that power that's been granted to us. You see, our level of authority, yours is probably not the same as the person's next to you. My level of authority is probably not the same as yours and yours is different from mine and yours is different from the person that's sitting at home watching right now. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 23 I'm going to read the New King James Version. It says this. Now when he came into the temple, speaking of Jesus, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. So Jesus was teaching and these religious people came and interrupted him. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? 
So they had heard that Jesus was healing all these people and doing all these crazy things, supernatural things. And notice that they're not asking Jesus about the power. They're saying, who gave you the right? Because you're tapping into something that we don't have access to and we, we don't, who gave you the, by what name? What higher power than us gave you the legal right to do the things that you're doing? We don't get it. If you actually go to the New Living Translation, that same verse, it says, when Jesus returned to the temple and he started teaching, the leading priests and elders came to him and they demanded, by what, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? We said authority is the legal right to operate in power, right? The legal right to access power. So these people are coming to Jesus and saying, who gave you the right? How are you doing all these things? And remember, if you guys, those that know the Bible a little bit, they started accusing him because they said, look, by the, by the prince of demons, Beelzebub, that's how you cast out demons. And they started saying that the, the higher power that was giving them authority or giving him authority to do all these things was the prince of demons. So understand this, that to exercise authority, you need a legal right. Everybody say with me this, say, to exercise authority, I need a legal right. So God gave me the legal right as a dad to raise my son. I shared that with you. The owner and the example that I gave you also had the legal right given to him or gave the legal right to the manager to hire and fire employees. But follow me here. Jesus, who gave you the right or the authority to speak, or he gave us the right and the authority to speak and work miracles. And that's what I want to push on you. And I want you to be able to grasp it. That Jesus is the one who gives us authority. He is the higher power. He is the person that gives us the legal right to be able to do all these crazy things. All these supernatural things that the world around you is so desperately needing in times like this. So I want you to understand that everything Jesus did... He did as a man. Understand this, because you could read the Bible and say, man, Jesus was out of, out of this world. Of course, he was God. He was the son of God. But listen, everything that Jesus did that you read in the Bible, he did it as a man. There is nothing, I'll put it this way, there is nothing that Jesus did that you read about that you cannot do as a person, as an imperfect person. Jesus, what he did is try to show us the way that just like he did it and he submitted and he was perfect and he, he was able to endure temptation and he was able to do the, the, the will of the Father, that if you follow his footsteps, you can achieve the same things that Jesus did. That's the whole reason. Aside from dying for us, that's the reason why Jesus walked on this earth. He was trying to teach us how to walk so that we could live also in a supernatural state. So that we could have this power and authority to work it. Jesus was divine. He was the son of God. But for his sacrifice to count and to redeem humanity, he needed to be a man. Because just as sin came through a man, how many of you remember Adam and Eve? It also had to leave through a man. So he submitted himself to all the limitations that a mere mortal has and that you and I have so that today we can look at Jesus and say, if he did it, then I could do it. If I study the life of Jesus and I see how he handled himself and his relationships to the Father, then I could do the same thing that Jesus did. I don't, I don't know how many of you guys are really understanding this or believing this. How many of you guys believe for yourself that everything that Jesus did, you can do? You, personally. Raise your hand. 
you can do it. Well, it might seem like far-fetched, but if you follow the formula, if you follow what Jesus has taught and how he's lived and his instructions, you will see it for yourself. If he prayed for the sick and they recovered, I can pray for the sick and they recovered. If he delivered the oppressed, I can pray for the oppressed and order demons to leave and they will be set free. I have the power, I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I just need authority, the legal right to use it, which leads me to my last point. So if I have the power already inside of me through the Holy Spirit, how can I get authority to use this power? How can I grow in authority? And there's a spiritual key that I want you to write down or just keep in your heart. Understand this, authority is gained through obedience. And I know all, everything we've been talking and setting up to this point leads to this point. Authority is gained through obedience, radical obedience. Not just obedience, submission. When you subject yourself to God, 100%. And I know we sing about it, we often say it, but God, is God really your king? Because you know, in a kingdom, you're governed by the king. The king is the one who writes and signs the laws into effect and the kingdom runs based on what the, the way the king handles it. If it's a good king, it's going to be a good kingdom. If it's a bad king and corrupt, well, people are going to suffer. You have to understand that God is the king. So who's giving us authority here, people? We have the power through the, the Holy Spirit, but what good does power do us if we don't have authority to use it? So then how can I get authority? Because maybe you're thinking, you're sitting there and you're evaluating. I hope you're doing this because I do this all the time. It's like, okay, God, so in my life, what does that mean to me? I haven't seen a miracle in my life in, in years. Or maybe I've never seen a miracle in my life. That is evidence that you are not tapping into the power because the Holy Spirit is power. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just words, but what? Power. What drew people to Jesus? The fact that Jesus was doing miracles. Now, he taught also, and, and we learn, we come to church to learn, but you need to see the power of God in your daily life when you're at home, when you're at work, when you have a need and God provides it. You need to see and you need to be, supernatural should be the norm for children of God. How about that? Supernatural should be the norm. But what happens? We have the power, because if you've let Jesus in your heart, you have the power. We have a problem with authority. The issue is authority because the problem is that maybe I'm not walking in obedience to God. So if I don't walk in obedience to God, then I don't have the legal right to use power. So obviously nothing's going to happen. You're going to pray. Nothing's going to happen. In a kingdom, what the king says goes. It makes a world of a difference that our king, obviously, is crazy in love with us. He's not this tyrant, right? That's trying to get his way and trying to abuse and his people. No, he is a loving king that loves us. But he expects radical obedience. And this is something that we don't talk a lot about church. I mean, at least 
not lately, we, I hear very few sermons on, on being obedient. We talk about the grace of God, which I believe in, and the favor of God. But if you want true, author, through a, true authority, blah, blah, and if you want to walk in the supernatural, then radical obedience is the way. There's no other way. Which, if you go to John chapter 530, New Living Translation, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, Look at the example that Jesus gave us. He says, I can do nothing on my own. Wait a second. He's Jesus, the Son of God. He is God because it's, it's a trinity. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. He's part of God. He's God. But he's saying, look, I cannot do anything on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just. My judgment is not just because I'm a, because I'm a cool dude. No, hey, listen. My judgment is just because it comes from him. I am connected so tight with God that everything, that how God sees things, that's how I see things. How God sees people, that's how I see people. How God feels and gets hurt by the needs of people, that's how I feel when I see a person in need. So that's what Jesus is saying. I can't do anything on my own. I judge as God tells me. And look, it says, therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me and not my own will. Is that radical obedience or what? So if you were surprised at all the things that Jesus did in the Bible, in the Gospels, if you're surprised about how he resurrected Lazarus, that's a, that's, that must be a top 10, right? Uh, top five probably. I mean, crazy. Man's dead for four days and he just lifts him up out of the grave. And you can do that. You can go right now to, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, if God guides you and you're in radical obedience, you can lift the dead person up from the dead. All these things are made available. And, and that's why I started today by saying, look, you, we can just, it's so easy to settle to live a Christian life without power. Settle for crumbs. Ooh, I felt a shiver when the team was worshiping God. Oh, I felt so good. But how is that changing the lives of the people around you? How is that manifesting? Because trust me, the will of God is to manifest the power of God to others. It's for what you have inside. The power of the Holy Spirit to bust out of you and touch other people's life, but it's only going to happen when there's radical obedience and submission to God. I want you to touch or look at the person next to you and tell them God is calling us into a deeper and radic more radical obedience to his word. Come on, tell the person next to you. Tell them God is He's pushing us. He's challenging us to be able to believe. And, and, and maybe you're saying, well, what does the word say? Well, it's, it's a good time to start reading your word. Reading the Bible, Re that's, your, that's your roadmap, that's your GPS. You're walking blindfolded if you don't read the Bible. Because you could be doing things just the way they've taught you or just the way life has pushed you into believing that things work. But then you go to the Bible and then you see that some things that Jesus taught are contrary to the way you were raised or the way you're doing life. And, and now you have to reconcile, well, do I keep doing things the way I'm doing them or do, do I do them God's way? Radical obedience. If I have radical obedience, I have legal authority to use the power that God has given me. So when I'm sick, I'm like, nope. Jesus took, my, Jesus took my infirmities on the cross, not just my sins. So I don't accept the sickness. Yeah, that's a pretty radical thought for people that don't understand this. But, but the Bible says that that's, that's for us. So I don't have to be sick in Jesus' name 
just have to lay my hand on my forehead and declare my healing in Jesus' name because I'm walking in radical authority. So iniquity, the Bible talks about this word, iniquity. And iniquity is, a, is synonymous of uh, sorcery, witchcraft, internal perversion. And iniquity is when people use power but without being accountable to anyone. Iniquity is when you try to use power but there's no authority backing you. Go ahead and try to fire somebody if the owner didn't give you authority. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to be the next one online. You're going to get fired, right? So check this out. What does this mean for us as children of God? It's impossible to work miracles, signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus if you don't have authority. You need the legal right. And the legal right, even though you have the power that was received through the Holy Spirit, the legal right only comes through authority, which you only get through ultimate submission and obedience to God. You guys remember on the cross, the Bible says that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus was stripping Satan of his legal authority over your life. He died to gain you. Because our master was sin. Our master was death. But Jesus, the perfect one, took the price of the imperfect ones, you and me. And he said, I'm going to die. I'm going to pay the price that he and she and he and he and she had to pay so that I could buy them with my blood and adopt them into my family so that they could be made whole. Isn't that amazing? Can we give, give, take five seconds to give God praise for that? That's what made the whole difference. So Jesus did that. He stripped Satan of the legal authority because because of sin, we belong to Satan. But now when we accept Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, now we are made whole. So through our disobedience, disobedience gives Satan the legal right to wreak havoc in our life. That's how we were bound to sin. James 4, 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. We, we emphasize on resist the devil and he will flee. You just got to, man, if you're going through a battle and stuff is all going all wrong in your life, you know, just, you know, stay the course, just resist the devil. But wait, it's, it's saying submit to God first. Therefore, submit to God. What's submission? Submit to God is, hey, I'm not going to do things my way. He is my higher authority. I'm going to submit to God. He is my king. Weren't we just singing thy kingdom come? Thy, thy will be done, your will be done in my life. Well, that's submission. That's saying, God, not my way, but your way. Teach me. I submit. We, when we submit to God and we resist the devil, he has no other place to turn than to leave. He has to go. He has to go. So I want to close off with this. I want to challenge you today to start operating in power and authority. And it may be if your life has not been fully submitted to God, Sometimes we think that it works like a balance. We're like, oh, I'm 80% submitted to God and 20%, I'm working on that, Pastor. <laughs> well, let's, let's focus on that 20%. And let's say, God, look, I, I struggle. I struggle with indecent thoughts. I struggle with tithing. I struggle with forgiving people that offend me. You put on that side of the balance and tell God all the things that you struggle with and understand that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you to give you power to be able to help you overcome those things that you and your humanity cannot. 
You don't have to fight that on your own. As a matter of fact, if you try, you're going to fail, I'm telling you from now, and you're going to grow frustrated. You're going to throw in the towel and you're going to say, this doesn't work. Okay? So you were never supposed to overcome sin in your own power. You're supposed to overcome sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you lead a life of prayer and a life of worship, and, and when you start saying, God, teach me how to walk, and, and when you fail God, and man, it breaks your heart, and God, I, I don't want to do anything that hurts you because you've been so good to me. You died so that I could have life, an everlasting life. The last thing I want to do is hurt you. I just want to, I want to be able to please you, but it's so hard because sometimes I end up doing, like Paul said, doing the things that I don't want to do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't end up doing them. So help me, God. Give me strength. And when you start tapping into the Holy Spirit, that power starts coming upon you and giving you strength to be able to walk in submission and radical obedience. And you'll find something that not a long time is going to have to pass when you start saying, this used to, I used to fall for this type of thing. I couldn't handle this. And now I see it and I'm like, I don't need that. You don't even have to struggle. And you start seeing how the Holy Spirit starts strengthening you and giving you strength to overcome the things that before you were weakened. How many are understanding? So first we need to submit to God. Here's the challenge that I'm giving you guys to take home and to work on this week. I want to challenge you to start operating in authority and power. In authority and power. First, our first thing we're going to do is submit to God and radically start obeying His Word. If you're not in the custom of reading the Bible. Listen, you don't have to read for five hours. You know, start small. Just one verse, but make it yours. Like, before you read the Bible, pray and say, God, speak to me today through your word. I'm, I'm, I'm new in this. I'm trying to, trying to live a life submitted to you and in obedience. But teach me what you want to challenge me with this week that I, you want me to focus or on this day. So you're going to open up the Bible. You can start in the book of John and, and start reading. You don't have to read much, but read 10, 15 minutes and then see what God is trying to say to your life. How can you apply that to your life? And you're going to start seeing that day after day after day after week after month, you start growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And welcome to the Christian life. That's what some of us have been doing for a long time. And we get stronger by the day. And doesn't mean we're still not weak, but in our weakness, he has made strong. And we know where to go. And after that, we need to understand that every authority is placed by God. It's important to respect authority. Respect the authorities that God put in the church, your leaders, your pastors. Respect the authorities that, civil authorities, you know, police, law enforcement, and whatnot. And I want to close up with this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them what? authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. I, I want to tell you that if you decided to follow Jesus, if you open your heart to Jesus, you are a disciple. Sometimes you think, oh, the disciples, they're the 12 that follow Jesus. No, I'm following Jesus today. Jesus has millions of disciples. A disciple is anyone. A disciple is, comes from the word discipline. I discipline myself through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God. And I'm following Jesus. Everything Jesus does, I do. I'm studying his life because I want to. And the Bible says that here in this passage, he called 12 disciples. Well, let me tell you, he called you. God has called you. That's why you're in this place. 
And it doesn't matter if you messed up yesterday. It doesn't matter if you really messed up 15 minutes before getting in your car and coming over here. God is a God of second, thirds, and fourth, fifth, sixth, as many as you need opportunities. But let me tell you, don't let more time of your life pass because we, we have finite lives. We don't live forever, at least not in this body. So you can be saved, but constantly live in a going down and getting back up and, and not affecting your surroundings, not living in the power of authority. And you know what? I think the enemy is happy to see so many believers living in a Christian life where, I, oh, I just come to church, I heard a good message, I'm positive, I'm going to start to read. Wait, how are you affecting the world? Because if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're called to affect people around you. To manifest the power of God in people's lives. Let me ask you a question. How many people do you know that are sick right now? How many people do you know that are anxious? That are having panic attacks? How many people do you know that are clueless? That are suicidal? How many people do you know that have, I don't know, whatever kind, any other problems that I haven't mentioned? Well, the reason why God put them around you is so that you can manifest God's power to their life. You are God's chosen one to manifest God's power through prayer. You pray for them and you believe and God will do the rest. God, but, but you need authority. I can't access this power that God has given me. The only way I can access it is through authority. I need the legal right of God. And how to obtain it? Obedience and submission. Let's stand on our feet. I think that God has challenged us. us. It challenged us today. How many of you guys are up for a challenge? How many of you guys are leaving today saying, man, I got, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to start, I'm going to start to get in the word and I'm going to start radical obedience. Maybe there was somebody here that was always struggling with something and you know, you knew that if you start praying and you start getting into the word, you could overcome that. You know it because we've spoken about it. You've heard the teaching, but you just, you just got lazy, you, just, you know, and you didn't put much, much attention to it. But today you're going to start saying, man, I can't afford to let another day pass. I'm getting older. Nobody gets younger and God wants to use you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're, God's just looking for vessels that are willing to, and listen, these disciples that Jesus gave authority, they weren't perfect. And I want you to get this. They weren't perfect, but they were 100% committed to follow Jesus. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, they left. They left their nets, the fishermen. They left their families. They left everything to follow Jesus. That's a pretty big sacrifice. Now, they weren't perfect, but God was perfecting him along the way. Even right before Jesus died. You have a Peter that's denying Jesus and cursing out the people that said, you look like him, you sound like him. And he's like, what? Beep, beep, beep. Expletive, expletive. <laughs> just on a side note, that, just, that story just came to mind. There's one of, the, one of the gospels, I don't remember which one it is, that the Bible says that the minute that Peter, for the third time denied Jesus, Peter looked they were in a courtyard and he's and he saw Jesus looking at him they made eye contact and Jesus was bruised that's when right after Jesus was beat another version says that they ripped his beard off okay so here's Jesus bloodied eye black eye 
and, and, and Peter denies him and he looks at Jesus. And sometimes we feel like that. We feel unworthy. But then after Jesus resurrects, you see, Peter didn't even get a word into Jesus after that. Because I said Jesus went to the cross, died, and then he resurrected. But and then one day Jesus, hey, the disciples, you know, they were like, well, it's all over, guys. I don't know. Let's go fishing. This is what we know how to do. And they're fishing. And all of a sudden they see somebody on the coast. And it looks like Jesus. But could it be Jesus? I mean, he died. You know, they're saying, some people say they're resurrected. But could it be him? And it was Jesus. And he started calling them over. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, do you love me? That famous story that we all know, right? Peter, and he says, yeah, Jesus, of course I love you. And Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, Jesus, I love you with all my heart. And Jesus asked a third time, Peter, do you love me? And that must have broken him down. I messed up. Sometimes we don't mess up not because we don't love God. It's just that we don't tap into the power that we need to overcome sin. But look what Jesus says. He says, listen, take care of my sheep. Like you messed up, but don't let that get to you. Get back up. Strengthen yourself in the word. Okay? Keep following me. You're going to receive power of the Holy Spirit now in just a few days. This was before Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power to overcome sin. But go, take care of my sheep because I have a plan for you. And I feel that God is telling us that. He's telling you, listen, take care of my sheep. Your sheep could be people in your house right now that don't know about Jesus or that need a supernatural breakthrough. And here it is. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're believers. The problem is we don't have authority. And because we don't have authority, we don't even dare to pray for things that are supernatural because like, nah, that's not for me. But once you start living in, a, in authority and living in obedience, man, that starts opening up the supernatural realm so that you can start operating, calling things that are not as if they were. And saying, no, I don't accept this in Jesus' name. You have no legal right over my family. Lack, I'm never going to lack anything because God is my provider. I've been adopted and he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm never going to have a lack in my house. So I don't accept that. And you start speaking to situations. You have legal authority. And when you have legal authority, let me tell you, I don't care what demon is trying to oppress. I don't, I don't care what situation is trying to have a control of you. They have to go. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this amazing day. This afternoon, God, that we came in contact with your word that changes, that transforms, that empowers us, God. Father, please don't let us settle for living lives that are powerless when your sacrifice, God, opened the door to so much more, God. We have the power, God, to call things into existence. We have the power, God, to close and, and open doors. We have the power to, to cancel curses of brujeria, of santeria, of all kinds of crazy things, God. We have the power, God, but we understand also today through your word that in order to use that power, God, we need authority. And God, today, we want to submit completely. Not just 90% of our lives, not just part of our life, not just what's convenient. We want to submit 100% to your authority because we want to see not just us living in the power of your word but all the people around us we want them to know that you are God that are still alive that you're not nailed to a cross that you're not buried six feet under but that you're sitting 
at the right hand of God and that your Holy Spirit is alive and well and doing miraculous works over the lives of all those who believe. And God, I declare that from this day on, I declare that the Holy Spirit is starting to spurt. Father, just passion to seek you, passion to walk in obedience, passion to close doors for things that we were opening and fooling around with, not understanding that that's, that's just causing us to lose authority, God, in our walk with you and in, in fulfilling your will for our lives, God. So I declare in Jesus' name that God, a supernatural passion's coming over every single person's life in this place to live and walk according to the authority that you've given us through obedience. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I did my part. I challenged you, but I can't do it for you. Now it depends on you what you're going to do here when you go home and when you start your day off, whether you're going to put your alarm clock 30 minutes before just to give God the time that he needs to speak to you, to be able to help you so that you can read the word and, and grow in God. Amen? So I did my part, but I challenge you, man. Don't, don't just leave here and say, oh, it was a cool service. Take this with you because God wants to use you. And the, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the people out there are waiting for the manifestation of the people of God. You know why a lot of people are going to Brujeros and Santeros and all these? Because they, where's the church? Where's the church? Well, the church is worshiping God. Oh, how cool. God, just put some money in my pocket and I'm cool. No, no, no. We need to manifest the power of God. Amen? I want to give an opportunity to everybody that's here and to the people that are watching us at home. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, that's the first thing you got to do. That's how you become adopted. That's how everything starts. Because if you didn't give your life to Jesus, the Bible says that you were bound to sin. Sin has a power over you. But when you accept the gift that Jesus Christ made for you by dying on the cross, you have life, abundant life here on earth and everlasting life. But it's done through confession of your sins. It's a prayer. So if you've never done it, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes in this place. And if there's somebody at home or in this place physically that wants to let Jesus into your life and say, God, I want to start submitting to you starting right now. Come into my life. You know, take control of my life. Guide me. Just raise your hand if you're here. And if you're in your, in your home, I want you to do this prayer. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come into my life. I open my heart to you. I pray that you forgive all my sins all my shortcomings and that you would accept me into your family adopt me into your family forgive my sins cleanse them with your precious blood I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior and publicly admit that I'm a sinner in need of you thank you God and now I'm ready to start my new life as an adoptive son or daughter of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, JTP Church. Put your hands together. Make some noise as we celebrate every single life.